Resterney Radio presents Genesis, Volume 1 of Commentaries on the Pentateuch by Rusus John Resterney. Narrated by Jeremy Walker. Produced with permission by the Chalcedon Foundation. Chapter 3 Genesis 1 Created Man Implicit or explicit in all biblical views of the universe is the concept or doctrine of the continuity of being. All the cosmos is one being, it is held, with a common potentiality. From the lowest one-celled being up to man, the same potentiality exists, and we have no knowledge of what unchanging limitations there may be. We are aware of some limitations on us, i.e., aging and death, but we cannot say these humanists hold there are necessarily unchanging ones. If evolution be true, this means that at every stage of being, life has transcended itself, and there is no reason to doubt, first, that this will continue to happen, or second, that scientific man will make it happen. For such true believers in evolution, man can be, to use biblical language, his own God in due time. Genesis 3.5 Progress, then, means that man will transcend his humanity and its limitations, even as the first semblance of life that once came into being has transcended. In this perspective, the state of being, a human being, is one to be transcended in time. Creatureliness then becomes a kind of disease to be overcome. Non-biblical faiths are almost uniformly given to the continuity of being concept. Such forms of paganism affirm in some form an aesthetic desire to transcend creatureliness. Hinduism is vegetarian. Meats are not eaten. But now some Hindu scientists claim that they have demonstrated pain in vegetables when they plucked for eating. The desire to escape creatureliness is very strong. In the Western world, many humanists now oppose killing animals on any ground or cutting down trees and are, of course, vegetarians as well. For such people, humanity is a very trying burden. I have encountered people who refuse to believe in a god who made man with the necessity for defecation and urination. If they were god, they would do better. For us as Christians, it is our glory to be human, to be men and women under God. For us, in terms of Scripture, sin is disobedience to God. It means trying to be God ourselves. Genesis 3, 1-5 Creation and evolution are here, as everywhere, radically different. What is sin for the one is virtue for the other. Adam means mold, armable soil, topsoil. Genesis 3.19 tells fallen man, For thou art dust, and unto dust thou shalt return. The biblical doctrine is of the discontinuity of being between God and man. God is eternal, an uncreated being, whereas man is finite and a created being, totally the work of God, and totally subject to the decrees of God. As both Isaiah and Paul tell us, the creature cannot resist the will of the Creator, nor, quote, Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Unquote. 
Romans 9, 19-20, Isaiah 45, 9, 29, 16, 64, 8. Kierkegaard and the Neo-Orthodox Churchmen have seen finitude as man's problem because they hold to the continuity of being explicitly or implicitly. The biblical doctrine tells us plainly that we are material beings. We are made out of the dust of the earth, Genesis 2.7. It is not our eternal goal to be more than creatures. Our glory is in the resurrection of the body, 1 Corinthians 15.12-23. We are freed in Christ and the general resurrection from sin and death, not from our bodies. We are not made into angels, but become fully redeemed men. For Scripture, sin and death are unnatural things. They are an evil invasion of God's glorious creation, rather than a normal fact. We are not to view sin and death as normal, natural facts. Understanding sin and death as unnatural will give a radically different approach to medical practice. For the evolutionist, the body is an imperfect mechanism, and man may in the future, millennia, evolve into a perfect body, or even out of a body. Such a view assumes no devolution. Medical practice is thus experimental. It sees no hard boundaries created by God, and it seeks to transcend man's limitations. For a biblical approach to medicine, regeneration is the beginning of the restoration to be accomplished in eternity. Health and life are man's ordained natural states, damaged by the fall, but to be overcome by the ministry of the Word of God and by medical practice. The center of gravity in thinking and practice is not in overcoming limitations, but on God's order and purpose. Our center is not this life and this world, but God and His plan for us. For us, there is one world, God created and God governed, is a finite realm and totally subject to the Creator, as is man. This world was created, quote, very good, unquote, and with the restoration of all things in the new heavens and the new earth, it will be eternally so, in perfection. Because man is created in the image of God, Genesis 1, 26-29, he is responsible to God, his Maker. He cannot with validity operate as though he alone exists, as though he is responsible to no higher being. His life is created life, and man is not his own. 1 Corinthians 6.19 He is under the law of God because God is his creator. To tamper with strict creationism is to destroy human responsibility. If men are taught that responsibility to God and his law is not valid, why should they be responsible to or obey family, church, state, or employer? The consequences of Darwinianism can be seen in criminal statistics. Because man is created by God, and in his image, man is under authority, under law, under God's authority and law. Man is not the source of law, as the tempter claims, Genesis 3, 1-5. Creationism thus undermines tyranny in every sphere. A world without God's authority becomes a lawless tyranny. For evolution, there is no God nor any higher law. 
Every man thus can do what is right in his own eyes. Judges 21.25 Man is his own lawmaker, either through the state or by his own fiat will for himself. The logical end of the denial of God's law is finally no law at all, only the existential fiat will of man and the state. If man is created in God's image, as Scripture declares, then Christ, as the God-man, is not only truly God and truly man, but he is the true man. He is the greater and last Adam, 1 Corinthians 15.45, who recreates us in his image and guides us into true humanity. There is in creation a God-given order. In the words of Cornelius Van Til, quote, If the creation doctrine is thus taken seriously, it follows that the various aspects of created reality must sustain such relations to one another as to have been ordained between them by the Creator as superiors, inferiors, or equals. All aspects being equally created, no one aspect of reality may be regarded as more ultimate than the other. Thus the created one and many may in this be said to be equal to one another. They are equally derived and equally dependent upon God, who sustains them both. The particulars or facts of the universe do and must act in accord with universals or laws. Thus there is order in the created universe. On the one hand, the laws may not and can never reduce the particulars to abstract particulars or reduce their individuality in any manner. The laws are but generalizations of God's methods of working with the particulars. God may at any time take one fact and set it into a new relation to created law. Thus there is a basic equality between the created one and the created many, or between the various aspects of created reality. On the other hand, there is a relation of subordination between them as ordained by God. The, quote, mechanical, unquote, laws are lower than the, quote, theological, unquote, laws. Of course, both the, quote, mechanical, unquote, and the, quote, theological, unquote, laws are teleological in the sense that both obey God's will. So also the facts of the physical aspect of the universe are lower than the facts of the will and intellect of the man. It is this subordination of one fact and law to the other facts and laws that is spoken of in Scripture as man's government over nature. According to Scripture, man was set as king over nature. He was to subdue it, yet he was to subdue it for God. In order to subdue it under God, man had to interpret it, he was therefore prophet as well as priest and king under God. Unquote. Creationism, Van Til also pointed out, is basic to knowledge. Instead of a, quote, universe, unquote, of brute and unrelated meaningless facts, we have by virtue of creationism a universe of meaning. The same purpose underwrites all things and gives them a common purpose and goal. Creation was out of nothing. God declares emphatically in Isaiah that, quote, there is none beside me, unquote, Isaiah 45, 21, and, quote, 
I am God, and there is none else. Unquote. Isaiah 45.22 Autonomous man is man who denies his createdness. He assumes that his reason is a sufficient judge of all things, and for him, quote, the God concept, unquote, is unnecessary. Evolutionary thinking rests not on any specific facts, but on religious premises that are anti-biblical and humanistic. It is arrogance for evolutionists to claim scientific validity for the religious faith. Theirs is an anti-intellectual and anti-scientific faith rests on the supposed miracles almost endless time is said to produce. They ascribe to time and chance the miracles of creation. It is true indeed that, quote, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Unquote. Psalms 14.1